know we have a bunch of people already lined up here. Welcome to another edition of Hockey from Home, brought to you by Kemba Financial Credit Union. I'm Bob McElligot. Today, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the Columbus Blue Jackets and bringing back another familiar face. I would say in the first couple of years, you could make the argument this guy was the most familiar face and ironically, he had his face covered the entire time. Ron Tugnut, former Blue Jackets goaltender, is with me right now. I want to explain how this works. Uh, I'm going to talk to Ron here, but while I do, if you have any questions that you would like to ask, you can just go down in uh, down at the bottom of your screen. You can ask your question, put your question in there. It'll pop up on the screen, and uh, then we will uh, go ahead and get those questions and ask them of Ron. So that now that you have the rules and that's how it works, let's get to it. First of all, Ron, thanks for taking some time to, to talk with me. I I saw you a couple of years ago. I met you at a playoff game, and you were kind enough to go on the set with Jean-Luc Grandpierre and I uh, prior to the game in the concourse there. And uh, that wasn't that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago, so it's good to see you again. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's nice to see you too, and uh, I really enjoyed my time down there on that trip. Uh, seen a lot of people, and it's like I crammed it in, but uh, at the end of it, it was an exciting couple of days, and it was great to see the area and how the rink has developed around it because I hadn't seen that at all. So um, what changes from the first two years, for sure, huge changes. Yeah, and if you would have been able to come and be at this 20th anniversary game in person, you'd see even more changes around here. That's just how it is. So, And this is one of the uh, – Jody Shelley and I were doing a show, and we were talking about uh, this. Just first of all, for the players to play in front of no fans, it's, it's difficult. There's no energy to draw off of. But I think for the Blue Jackets, celebrating this 20th anniversary, you know, this is normally a night where uh, they would call you and say, hey, Ron, we're going to bring you in. We want you to come out on the ice and drop a puck before the game and all those great things. But uh, they have to go by the wayside right now, which is disappointing. But uh, we're still trying to make do the best we can with you here. Well, I think it's great what you guys are doing. I think it uh, kind of connects us with everybody else and, um, you know, get to speak with the fans still and enjoy the, the you know, talk about the old days. And But, you know, five more years is 25, so maybe we, we'll make that one special. That's ironic. That's exactly what I said to Jody. I said, well, you know, 25 is not that far away. So, so uh, yeah, hopefully that's going to be the way that we're going to handle it here. Um you know, go with you going back to those early years, and I, I've been reading a lot of stories here, especially as of late, about the first couple of years of this franchise, and and they were special for many reasons. But one of the reasons that it was special is because it was a group that got along so well, and a group that found a way to uh, overachieve and help the people in Central Ohio fall in love with it. And how proud are you to be a part of that group? I'm extremely proud of that. I think that uh, when I first came in, Doug brought me in and he goes, I need you to be a leader and I, I need you to help get this franchise going. And, and that's on ice, it's off ice. And he goes, I'm going to ask a lot of you and, and, and I'm hoping that you're ready to do it. And uh, so years later to find out that uh, there's people still do remember me and, uh, and enjoyed my time there. I think that uh, maybe I've done that, which, uh, you know, it's very satisfying and gratifying. And, um, you know, it's always nice to say that uh, we can always come back to Ohio and, and visit a lot of people. I know my wife talks to family still and friends down there. And I still make it down periodically with my motorcycle to go riding with my guys down there. And um, we loved it there. We really did. Uh, you know, everyone asked us what Columbus, Ohio was like. And, and I just said, you know, it was a great place to raise a family. You know, our kids were young and we lived in Powell. 
and uh, loved the area. We felt safe. We opened our door, let our kids run up and down the street, never a concern. And, uh, you know, for, for a lot of friends that I played with in other places, they said, what's, you know, Columbus, Ohio is a city. And to tell them that stuff, they're like, wow, it's, yeah, it's a great place to live. Yeah, and it wasn't the only place that you played, too. I mean, like, when you got here, you were coming from other places. So uh, it's kind of funny. If you look at, at the other stops that you made along the way, where does Columbus rank in your mind, you know, with your career now being well over and you can look back at all of your experiences? Where does it rank here? Well, I think it's, uh, it's very close to the top, if not the top. I think Ottawa is also, um, you know, one of those ones for me. Uh, Ottawa was – shortly removed from an expansion setup. They were like five years in when I got there and things really started to go well uh, during my time there. And, um, you know, we made a lot of friends there too. And, and I was there for four years. And um, from there, it was like short little trips between places until I got to Columbus. And, uh, you know, I signed the four-year deal in Columbus. And uh, I tell everybody, if, if I would have played the full four years, I would have retired there and still been living there like a bunch of those other guys. And I think Jody says we're up to like 13 guys now that have moved in and lived here. And I said, well, I would have been one of them too if I would have played the four years. But, uh, you know, Doug wanted me out and he wanted Mark Denis to become the starter. And I was on the way, on the move again. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about your relationship with Mark Denis and you know, what it's like as the veteran guy who's basically grooming the young guy to take his job, um, you know, it happens all the time in this sport, but what was it like for you and your relationship with Mark while you were going through all of that? Well, I knew for me at the age I was at, uh, I knew I wasn't going to be the Tom Brady of goaltending and playing in my mid forties. So I know I was on the back end of everything, but I, my job was Doug said was the same as to help Mark Denis along. Um, but when I went to Ottawa, I was 27, 28. And my job there was to try to really establish myself and become the number one and uh, hopefully sign a good contract. And, 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 but coming to Columbus, I did sign the good contract. And part of my job was to, you know, mentor Mark Denis. And he, he wasn't very difficult to mentor. He was a really driven player. Uh, he wanted to compete for the number one spot right from the beginning, which I'm not surprised. Uh, most guys do. But uh, at the end, uh, you know, we had a great relationship. Uh, we were both very close. We still see each other once in a while when I was working in Hockey Night in Canada and with the World Juniors. And it was always great to see him. Uh, but it was his time to, to take off. And so I went from Columbus to uh, Dallas where I was doing basically the same job with, um, with Mark Denis, with uh, Marty Turkle, where I was kind of – there to support him and help him. And, and then when that was done, I was done. <laughs> you know what though? You, you trained two pretty good guys. I mean, if you're, if part of your job was being a mentor, then you earned your money in that job. Yeah. Those guys were pretty talented guys too, though. So I can't take that much credit, but I, I just tried to play my best to make them try to earn it a little bit more. And uh, in both cases, they did that. Now I got to ask you this because goalies, it, goalies are always together right because there's only two of you that have that position you're obviously going to be close in the best situation you're going to be close in a bad situation that that competition is going to eat you up but um the goalies are always together but there's still all those other guys on the team how did you interact as a goalie in your time you know with the forwards and the defensemen if you weren't playing were you just one of the guys yeah yeah if if i wasn't playing i was definitely I one of the guys yeah, I know, because Jody told me when you were playing, it was totally different. 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't talk to anybody when I played. I was, I was all focused and, you know, I felt I had to be that way to play my best. But when I wasn't playing, I was making jokes and playing around in the dressing room. And the guys knew really early, as soon as I walked into the dressing room and I started to get ready and get my sticks ready, they knew right away whether I was playing or not just by my demeanor, you know. So, um, but, uh, you know, everywhere I went, I always wanted to be a team guy. I said that it was really important that, you know, if a player asked me, Hey, Tug, do you want to go for dinner in, in St. Louis? Uh, you know, I said, yeah, uh, I'll go for sure. You know, I never wanted to say no to a teammate because if they're asking you, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's an honor that they're asking you to go out and hang out. And usually we'd get a bunch more guys to go as well. And usually my goalie partner was one of them. When you talk about getting a bunch of guys, I, I said that the early years, the team was really close. How close was it? Like, was a bunch of guys the norm doing things all the time? Yeah, because we all came from a different team, right? So for the most part, very seldom, very few of the guys played with the guy uh, when we came into to Columbus. So um, it was an immediate, we all became friends. We all became tight groups. And um, it's, it's really simple for players to, to be traded or move uh, from one team to another. It's harder for the family. So, um, you know, if you have wife and children, trying to get them you know, set up and, and, you know, it was a little bit more, more a little bit more difficult, but uh, even, even in that situation, we found that uh, the wives got together, kids got together, players got together, and it was just a, a great atmosphere, atmosphere for the first year. Yeah. And you had great characters on those teams too. I mean, La Line, Kevin Deneen, just to name a couple, now, who are some of the guys that you, that you really enjoyed or now looking back on it now saying, Man, what a, what a great group that was and what a character this guy was or that guy was. Who jumps out at you? I think uh, Jamie Pusher was one. Uh, Bill Heward, uh, Jeff Sanderson. Jeff Sanderson, young lads, drafted fifth overall to, to Ottawa. You know, and um, so, yeah, we, we, we didn't have a tough time, all of us. Uh, we were all cast off, so we all felt no one, no one was higher up on the food chain than anybody else, so... Uh, we enjoyed each other's company. It's funny you put it that way because that's exactly what it is. I mean, when you join an expansion team, you uh, you weren't protected. And and basically one organization saying, yeah, we want to keep these guys. And if you go, you go. And so, yeah, everybody shows up the same way. It's like a, a bunch of misfits looking to prove to the world that you're good players individually and you wind up playing together as a group really well, right? But in – the first year is really simple, to be honest with you. Like everybody's so gung ho, everybody's excited. There's not a lot of pressure on us to to win. No one's expecting us to win. But uh, for the for the new city that we're moving into, they're just excited because Wayne Gretzky's coming next week, and they don't have to drive all the way to Pittsburgh or something to go see it. It's right in their own city, and you know, or Mary Lemieux's coming in, or you know, and the list goes on. You know, they're they're coming to watch us, but. Yeah, let's be serious. They're also coming to see these stars that in most occasions they wouldn't get to see. So um, the first year was simple. It was easy. No high expectations, which resulted in a lot more wins. And towards the end of the year, it's like we're in the race here to get a slide into that eight spot. We're going to have to get stay hot or get really hot in the last month. But there's a chance and nobody expected that to happen. All right. I want to go to some fan questions here because I see a really good one that I want to kick this off with. And uh, again, 
If you're watching and you want to ask a question, just go to the Q&A option down at the bottom of your, of your screen and you can type in a question that I can ask Ron for you. This question is from Stephanie Wright. And Stephanie says, first of all, thank you for all that you've done for our community and the Blue Jackets. I may be biased, but I feel the Blue Jackets are known for having amazing goaltenders. How do you feel about the legacy that you have left? The legacy, Ron Tugnut. What do you feel like? <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a legacy there, but um, what, what I enjoyed was being the first uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and, and getting the first win. You know, I know that uh, many other guys are going to surpass a lot of my numbers and a lot of my win totals, but only one guy can have the first one. And uh, I'm truly honored and, and feel privileged to be able to say that that, that first one's mine. Uh, but um, you're right. Uh, I think they've done a wonderful job with their goaltenders. Uh, I love their two goalies that they have now, uh, Corpusalo and Elvis. I think that they're, they're both high-end guys. Uh, just got to keep them healthy. You know, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a good run there and hopefully it continues. All right. Here's uh, I'm going to take these two questions and put them together because it's the same subject. Um, Greg wants to know how surreal was the vote tug nut marketing campaign and knowing you actually received a few votes for president and little boomer has kind of the same question, but wants to know if you still have a tug nut for president poster in your position. <laughs> well, um, for the first part of the question, uh, the, the mock presidency that I went through was truly one of the funniest things I think I've ever done in my whole pro career, you know, wearing equipment in parks and uh, going through farm fields, patting cows and kissing babies and, and so on and so on. It was truly a, a wild thing that we did. And whoever thought of doing that, it was truly around the timing and everything. Obviously it was set up because of the presidential um, campaigns were going on at the time but uh, I think that um, you know it's purely genius and so much fun to do uh, but my wife was always someone that kept a lot of memorabilia and um, you know so I do have posters and I do have a bunch of t-shirts um, that the vote tug that t-shirts that they gave out um, stuffed away somewhere uh, trying to find them in this house with the amount of times we moved it might be a chore but I know we have them now, when you were first approached about this, uh, do you remember that day or do you remember when somebody said, hey, we have this idea? Yeah. And I, and I was like, I'm going to do what? <laughs> and they go, you're just going to wear your equipment all over the place and, you know, pull your mask down and then lift your mask up. And, and, you, and then next thing you know, it started going, OK, you're going to give a speech now. You're going to give a speech, you know, on a on a bench here surrounded by people. And, you know, and then you're going to hug a, a little baby, give her a kiss and. And, and they just kept building and building. So I think the first one or two went off and they just said, we got to keep this going. This is, you know, this is really bringing out the blue jackets, getting the crowd excited about the team coming to town. And, um, you know, it was fun. Now, in all honesty, for a guy that had played in other markets, uh, to be asked to do something like that, uh, it could be, you don't have to say yes, but you did. And you embraced it and you ran with it. And uh, that's kudos to you, in my opinion, because uh, you had a choice and, and you chose to go ahead and play along. And, and obviously, people still love it. Here we are, 20th anniversary. And those are the first couple of questions that came in, tug nut for president. So it was obviously effective. But if you don't embrace it, it never carries that for 20 years. Well, true. But 
for me, that was just going to be fun. I, I just knew right away. I said, this is just going to be fun. So, you know, I'm all in for it. And, you know, I, I said, let's just go in and attack it and, you know, and truly in, embrace the whole thing. And, you know, I don't know how many votes I got. It's some say nine, some say 11. Um, but I, I think this year I could have even got even more. If I could have got, got back on the campaign trail, I think I could have got more than 11. Uh, anyway, that's politics. Yeah, that's right. Hey, no matter what the number is, Tucker, whatever you got, there are more presidential votes than most people will ever have in their life, okay? Yeah, and I was under the age of 35 in Canadian, so yeah. <laughs> two important things that didn't matter. No, it didn't matter. No, it didn't matter at all. And, and, and you're right. That's probably why this year you could have gotten even more than that. Uh, Rusty has this question. He goes, uh, I know you played in a game that lasted 152 minutes. Did you ever think any team would get close like the 150 minute Blue Jackets playoff game against Tampa last year? Yeah, that one, uh, an interesting thing, because whenever every playoff year, there's a game that gets to three, four overtimes and immediately you know, ours comes up now, you know, back in, you know, 99, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly, and they, they start to acknowledge how many minutes we played and um, you can see it's getting closer. So when I watched uh, Columbus and, uh, you know, I was watching Corpus Allo, I said, he's going to go two for one here. He's going to beat my save total. And I said, and he's going to beat the minutes. I said, and I'll be gone. It'll never be on again. So um, part of me was like, I kind of want him to do it, but the other part of me is like, well, I kind of like, you know, still, still having that brought up every once in a while. So um, that was a game. I stayed up the whole game watching it because I started to think it was definitely going to happen. You know what the best part of that game was that it started at three in the afternoon. So you could go five overtimes and still be done by nine 30. Yeah. Mine started at seven. We finished at two 30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you remember about, um, intermissions once it started to drag along and you know it, it starts to really get near the end there what how did the intermissions change from the normal uh first intermission second intermission during a game to where all of a sudden you're getting into a fourth period well the the intermissions uh drop in time usually uh come playoff time so it wasn't the usual like first three periods 15 minute rest between i think they're 10 12 minutes it just seemed like they, they were getting shorter and shorter. You get in the room and you'd sit down and you're like struggling to get back up. And, um, you know, I always tell people the story that I played so many periods at both ends of the ice. I'd go to the door and I'd have to ask the, the guy that opened the door for us. I said, which end am I at this period? Because we were always the first one on. We were the home team. So we we're the first team on the ice. So I didn't want to go to the wrong net, you know. So I always had to ask. He goes, you're down that way. And I go, Okay. And then the next period he goes, you're down that way. I go, okay. And, um, you know, but I kind of, it had all just blended into one big fog and the game just kept going. And, you know, I tell everybody I lost like 12 pounds, which is a lot for a guy my size. And uh, I was wondering how Corpusella was going to do after his, but I think these guys now are just better shaped. They're better taken care of. They're, you know, they probably had intravenous in the room. We didn't have that. We had bacon and pizza and Gatorade. So, um, but uh, it was something I truly enjoyed doing. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to do it again, but it was something else during the time we were doing it. Pretty ironic, though, when you were watching that one really close, that there it is, the Blue Jackets, a, you know, a team that you have a, a vested interest in where that's going on and, and a goaltender that's trying to take you out of the record books like that. 
Yes, but that's what it's for, right? To stacks and things are there for other people to break. And, and it's nice that when they bring it up and say, oh, back in such and such a year, this guy did this. And, you know, I think that uh, that's part of history. And, uh, you know, even today you watch Wayne Gretzky. He's like, I hope Ovechkin beats my record. And, and I'm sitting there going, really? Do you really mean that? Like, I don't know if I would have. <laughs> but, you know, everybody's different. But, uh, you know, that's what they're there for. They're there to be broken. And, and they're also there to be brought back up for history to remember. You know, people ask me all the time, what was it like to call that game? And you know, I got to a point, and I don't know if you've ever gotten like this watching a game or even in a game, maybe you were, maybe you weren't playing it. You don't think of this, but like with Corpus Allo, I thought at one point I was like, you know what? I want to see 60 saves. Now I want to see 70 saves. You know, it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I, I want to see this guy make a hundred saves. I think this could be a hundred save game. And so like to me, and I wasn't playing it, so it's completely different, but fans ask all the time. I thought it got more interesting the longer that it went. And also, uh, and I don't know if it was like this in your game. So tell me if it was only the first couple of minutes of the period was like legit hockey by the time you got to the fourth overtime, because then it was even the third overtime. It's like, we're going to get about four good minutes here, and then everybody's going to hang on and hope the other team makes a mistake for the final 16. Is that the way it is? Yeah, because the first four minutes were a little more – we got a little bit of rest under us in the room, and, and guys were in the room cheering, going, let's get this thing over with. And there's – you know, for me, it was Yager telling Kovalev, Kovi, you can finish this by yourself. Just get the puck and go through everybody and go score. And this is what Yager is telling Kovalev. And I'm sitting there going – yeah, why don't you do that? Like you can do that yourself, you know, and, but uh, the first four minutes you get out there and they're rejuvenated, they're excited, but then it just goes to slow grinding hockey. And of course the referees don't call penalties, which for the most part, I'm okay with, you know, like uh, unless it's something obvious, uh, but you're right though. It does, it, it gets to a snail's pace. And um, in our game, Keith Primo, uh, he had half the season off. He, he, he held out. So he had half a season off. So he had lots of legs left, I guess, in the eighth period. And he turned Casper uh, inside out, Casparitis inside out, and then went short side shelf on me. So I said, well, it was the one guy that had more energy than everybody else, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember I remember listening to that game. I was listening to it on the radio, and I kept on going. I, I was like, I wanted it to end. You know, it's one of those things. You can't put it down. You can't walk away. And, uh, and you don't want it to end. And I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't want it to end the way that it did end. Uh, I was rooting for your side. I, I wanted you to, to win in that one, but um, yeah, those are uh, that, that game against Tampa. That's going to be one uh, for the record books. There's no question about that. David wants to know uh, what led to the design of your goalie masks that you used with various teams. Um, I think that my, the, the mask that everyone, you know, thinks about now is the splash mask and, I think, uh, you know, I was looking for something, you know, different where, um, you know, talking with the, the artists and stuff. And, and I said, well, I'm in Montreal and uh, I, I didn't like the, the design of the mask I had. And a company named iTech no longer exists now, but uh, they came in and, and they said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I want to splash, you know, like a, like a logo splashing into something and creating a big splash. And, and then, you know, maybe my, my name down here and whatever. And so we went with that and they brought it in. I said, okay, this is the Molson splash because the Canadians were owned by the Molson Canadians. So I said, you know, 
uh, I got myself the Molson splash. And, um, so when I left there, um, I went to, to Portland in the American league and, uh, I didn't have the benefit of the NHL painters. So I got the American league painter and that mask isn't very good. Actually, <laughs> it looks like a minor league paint job. So, uh, when I got back into Ottawa, we went to the splash again and, you know, with Ottawa was dropping the logo into gold and splashing. And, and then from there to Pittsburgh, it's a penguin poo splashing. And, and it just, so at the end of the day, for me, it's just, I like to find myself as a happy go lucky guy that likes to have fun and, you know, splashing and playing in water or, it's just a sign of just being happy. Did you keep that pat, that mask from Portland or did you just discard that once you were back in the league? No, we have that because that was where my, one of my sons was born. So it's actually his and the other son was born in uh, Anaheim, California. So he's, he lucked out. He got the ducks one, uh, the original ducks mask. Uh, so he, he's done well with that. <laughs> yes. Hey, luck of the draw, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that was, Ducks one was made by uh, Greg Harrison. Back in the old days, they used to lay the fiberglass over your face with a straw hanging out and the barber chair. And that's how they made it. But, you know, the newer stuff, it's it's all one mask and it's the foam inside that's fitted to your face. Are you involved? I know you've done broadcasting. I know you were doing some coaching. Are you involved in anything right now? Or at this moment, have you just kind of shut it down and you're enjoying your life? Yeah, I think um, I've decided to, to retire um, you know, I've been out of the game now for 16 years, so you've kind of lost touch of really what's going on. And, um, you know, I still think that I know a thing or two about goaltending and I, you know, and you can teach and so forth, um, and, and be a mentor. Uh, but, you know, I think I'm so far removed now, uh, it, it'd be tough to, to get back into it. When did you come, uh, to peace with that because i know it's not easy it's, it's not easy for any athlete to to get away from their game and especially when you're still doing some things and, and then you make that decision well I, as soon as i retired i immediately went to uh, hockey night in canada and i worked a year there um and grew a great deal of respect for analysts the job that they do because i didn't realize it was as difficult as it is and, uh, being able to retain things and be able to pull things up you know, and store, have it stored. And more importantly, to be able to talk when someone's talking in your ear uh, and telling you to go into commercial in five seconds, when you still have 15 seconds of a story to tell things like that, it's, it's extremely difficult. And uh, I, I think, you know, I, I'm one of those people that I'm diving in and I'm focused on one thing. And when you start throwing more than one thing at me, it gets a little confusing. So, um, you know, I just worried about a puck my whole life and that was it, you know? So, um, but then from there, I went to our world junior team and I worked in a goalie coaching setup, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I did a lot of uh, stuff with minor hockey and stuff and uh, did the world juniors. So I was still involved then for five years. And, and then after that, uh, it became coaching. You know, I, I got into not just goalie coaching, but like head coaching or assistant coaching. And I thoroughly enjoyed that for, I, I, geez, it must have been six, seven years. And, uh, you know, after that, my kids were going off to college and um, I owned a junior team that Jason York bought from me. And I said, well, I guess I'm done. I'm not going to coach anymore. And I'm just going to travel every weekend to go watch my kids play. 
Well, that part's that part's a good part, right? Oh, it's great. Uh, long hours in the car, nine hours driving, you know, every weekend and sometimes in snowstorms. But um, I wouldn't have missed that to go watch them play. Well, but obviously from this discussion, you know, you still you still got uh, the interest in the game. You're still watching the NHL game. I know it's a lot different than it was way back 20 years ago when you came to Columbus, but what do you like the most about the NHL today and, and the style of the game and the way it's played? Well, obviously the speed is special. Um, the skill level is very special, but for me, I, I just really, I watch a lot more hockey in the playoffs than I do the regular season because it, it is a different beast. Uh, you know, the intensity levels higher, um, you know, just, you get away with a little bit more stuff and it makes the game, you have to compete harder to fight through things. And uh, I, I, I just, pref I really prefer playoff hockey, but uh, during the season hockey, you get to see a tremendous amount of skill in guys. And um, you know, from being guy beating guys one-on-one -on -one and, 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 and so forth, but come playoff time, the game becomes more physical. And I like to see that because I want to see the character of that star player, if he can fight through that and make his team a champion. And because that's what he has to learn to do. And that's a really hard thing for the star elite players to do. And you know what? Today, even the goalies, they don't have to face nearly the kind of traffic. They face traffic, but that traffic's usually a little further out. It's not necessarily crowded right in there against them like it was when you played. Who... Um, who were some guys or was there one guy or maybe a couple of guys that when you played their team and you knew that they were going to park themselves in that crease and that you were just going to have to deal with them all night long. Uh, was there anybody that you were like, Oh my God, I got to put up with this guy. I don't want to deal with this guy. A lot of it uh, is around power plays, you know, and Cam Neely, you know, all six foot four and him standing in front of five foot 10 of me wasn't easy to look around <laughs> You know, uh, Dale Hunter was, uh, even though I came into Quebec with him in Quebec at the time, he did me no favors. He was a nasty, nasty guy in front that would, you know, if, if I had my, the puck covered, he'd, he'd be trying to like use a skate to cut my wrist or something. You know, he'd be looking underneath the pile when someone was on him trying to, he was just nasty, you know. So things like that, you always worry about. Um, Dino Cicerelli made a living out of standing in front of the net. These are all really old guys. But, um, you know, for me, Cam Neely was probably the one that, you, like, thank, like, thank God they brought the rules of stay out of the blue paint because he was on the red paint. He was on the goal line with me. You know, I mean, that's how far you would push me in there. And, you know, there's never a penalty for that back then. No, there weren't any penalties for that. You're right. And so I, I knew there were some guys that would uh, jump to the forefront on that one. I, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, well, Ron, again, appreciate you taking the time. It is great to see you. It's great to talk with you. And, hey, I'm going to tell these guys just to book it in five years. You, you got to be back for a 25th anniversary. Well, hopefully there will be like a game. And uh, I'll, I'll see where the body's at then, if I can actually put goalie equipment on again. Probably not. But I've been working on the other part of my game. And uh, I'm a scoring centerman now. I'm a soft perimeter player. Doesn't like to get hit. You know, likes the puck, likes to dangle with it, and likes to score. But – you know, I don't like the physical play at all. So that's perfect for an alumni game. Well, it's almost perfect for today's NHL, quite frankly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Truth be told. I might so, back then. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
you know, make sure you get on your alumni director to make sure that he gets that game set up. Um, I can try to do that, but uh, <laughs> go Jackets. I, I, I'm loving what they're doing. I love the way they compete. I love the way Torts makes everybody accountable and makes them compete. And uh, the one thing with Torts is he makes that team a team. There's no one special, and I really like that, and I think that's what wins. John Tortorella is a little bit of the old school that is left in the game. There's not a lot of the old school left in the game today, but he's he definitely fits that category, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, I, and I, you know what you're going to get, and you know what he wants. As an athlete, uh, what else do you need to know? You know, you, that's all you need to know. Just do what you're supposed to do, and everything's going to be fine. You know, if, they, if you don't, then there's – then why am I playing you? <laughs> well put. Ron, thanks again so much. Really appreciate it. Great to see you. Hope everything is uh, great with you and your family. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again sometime. I might not wait five years to talk to you, if that's okay. Oh, that's fine. No problem. I can't wait to get down there and catch another game. And, you know, if it's not uh, this winter or the rest of this winter, which it probably won't be, maybe next summer or the year after. But I love getting down there and, and seeing what's going on. All right. Thanks again, Ron. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, hey, congratulations for being a part of that group that got things started here in Columbus. 20 years have gone by and you're still well known and appreciated and they still want you to run for president. Perfect. Thanks, Bob.